0: welcome to home impressions a podcast where we ask our guests to tell us about five encounters with people objects or ideas that have had a lasting impact on their practice and have shaped the artists that we see today today i'm lucky to be joined by a really good friend and incredible incredible artist that i've had the luxury and privilege of working with many times in the last few years He's a composer producer multi-instrumentalist and multidisciplinary artists from South East London. So welcome to Home Impressions, Melozet.
1: Thank you, Ronan. It's so great to have you. (laughs) Likewise.
0: Uh, It's so great. Um, I want to say a little bit about what you've worked on. You've worked on projects with 180 Strand, with Gucci, with BBC, Sundance, BFI for Tate Modern, creating soundscapes for visual, for creating soundscapes for films and Mm -hmm. visual projects. And you've also produced music and worked on uh, pieces of music for Yasmin Lacey, Abong JR, Serpent With Feet, Raven Mm Lanay, and so many more. And it's so, I'm so lucky to have been able to work with you as well. The latest project we worked on was the soundscape for my Mm -hmm. brand Selassie for the show, which was in October, 2022. Mm -hmm. And that was a really long piece of music, 45 minutes. Yeah. was that? one of the longer pieces of music that you've worked on?
1: You know, uh, first of all, thank you. It's really an honor to be here and to be speaking with you on this podcast. Like, um, yeah, it feels really good and natural. Um, I'd say the piece for, that we did for the show, yeah, it probably was, you know, I think like it was, and what was cool about it as well was it was kind of unsighted. It was really mm-hmm. a conversation that we had that really like sparked all the ideas, yeah and bits and pieces of visuals, but really that one conversation at the studio really uh for me was the was like the spark for all forty five minutes of it, you know, and I think more than i mean I think all of our work together has been really cool, but more than most it really. I don't know, it was really, um, really close to home. And I think um, I'm really grateful for you providing that opportunity to share music in that kind of space, which I hadn't done before. Um, So yeah, that was really, really cool.
0: I think you'd never have known, no one would have known you hadn't done it before. I mean, you have worked with performance in different ways. Mm. So I guess that there was that connection and that experience to work with. But for me working with you, it was, I just have always loved what you do and trust and know that you know what you're doing. So Mm. when we kind of came to that conversation, talking about the themes for the show, which were around intimacy and tactility and asking for things and kind of having that really cathartic and special, was really special to me conversation and Mm. sharing, which we hadn't really done before in that way. And kind of we were both, well, I'd been through some quite intense experiences. Um, And kind of similarly, we were drawing on just life and feelings and to hear that back translated then through music a couple weeks later was was crazy, like a crazy, crazy experience. Yeah. And there were surprises Mm -hmm. and even. Kind of <laughs> sending you voice notes. So, like, these are locked voice notes. No one can hear or know that this is me.
1: Do you know what's funny? You, like, <laughs> our um, WhatsApp communication, especially when it comes to when I send you stuff, is so interesting because even for Wata, when we did that, I remember the, like, barrage of emojis that you sent back <laughs> after I sent you that first score, like the uh, first idea. And it's so, like, as a composer, it's so. Um, It's so good, I guess, to feel that from the person that you're working with in that kind of capacity, because it's like, it just enthuses you to Mm. do more and to like um, go further into wherever you're exploring in the music. So like, yeah, every time it's like really appreciated when you're just like. I think
0: sometimes gifts are the only appropriate (laughs) (laughs) response. Yeah. And also I think that freedom and like the beauty of collaboration mm. again like is just the trust mm. and i think sharing being able to share that space with you and the trust that we built and then trusting that even if there were parts or things that shocked me in the track or things that i was surprised to hear it was all in a positive way of yeah. this is a translation of the experiences your wider experiences and references, and, your artistry coming through back at me in music and then being able to put on this show where friends of ours family of ours lovers of ours Mm. past lovers of ours everyone was kind of together in this space in different iterations in the audience in the actual show like having all of that come together to the soundtrack, which actually, annoyingly, no one who's listening to this podcast could actually hear. Um, but sometime, I hope that parts of that come through because it was so special. Yeah. Um, but that was the most recent project that we worked on and I thought mm. a good place to kind of start. Um, and I don't think it, maybe it doesn't necessarily tie in, but maybe it's a good time for you to tell us about your first impression.
1: Yeah, I mean, it does in a sense, because I, I think a lot of my context is rooted in you know family and where i'm from um and my first impression is my grandparents home in Karakou which is where my mom's from and my grandparents are from um it's a small island uh, sister island of grenada um and you know it's just one of those places where for me it's been such an anchoring place in terms of um my understanding of myself uh like uh, musically, um, socially as well. I think, because it's such a small island and it's so intimate in terms of everyone knows each other, how you greet people, how you interact with everyone. Mm. Um, there's a real sense of like like um, closeness with your neighbor that as a child going there often in um, summer holidays, I spent a bit of time in there at school as well. And just kind of going there often, it fostered this, it's almost like, you know, I was in England and then I'd be there. And then when I was there, I'd like ingest all these colors, all these Mm. um, like uh, tastes, these people. And I don't know, it was almost like it gave me a different way of seeing the world from a very young age in terms of, we live a very agricultural life back home. Um, Like my granddad used to work the land, he used to plant, um, and he used to have animals, and we used to just help out with that. That was a big part of my early upbringing. Um, And so I guess with that also the music, I mean the um, soundtrack to the bus rides was Calypso, reggae, soca, like that was very much just present. And you know, just the, I think somewhere between the colors on the island and the uh, music, even just the, like one uh, one sound that was really big as a child for me was the um, donkey in the morning. Every morning <laughs> you just hear this donkey just braying. <laughs> and then after that you'd hear the chickens starting to wake mm. up. And then you'd hear like a rooster like every morning and those sounds were just mm. a, a constant part of my reality um so that house we had in Karakou or that we have is it's like indelibly linked to my early memories like sensory memories um in terms of sound in terms of mm. you know um character as well uh so yeah that's kind of Karakou Um,
0: I think there's something interesting about when you're talking about the kind of first sounds that you hear in the morning Mm. because I think when we're waking up it's what settles us into the day Mm. and sets a tone for the day and I think like things like I like to sleep with the windows the blinds open so that I just get hit with light in the morning and I think these like little things that adjust us to our day are actually really important in kind of setting the pace as well and I think that small island life and that saying good morning and good evening to people I, it kind of sounded earlier like you were trying to find another word for community mm. when you said um speaking to neighbors and being connected to neighbors yeah. um and i thought that was kind of interesting i don't know correct me if i'm wrong if you were not trying to yeah, if you were no, not trying was, to switch up community I, I feel that community the word community is quite overused these days mm. and it gets me thinking about what it really means so when you had said Knowing neighbors, when I think about Barbados and what parts of it that I love, on a small island, parts of it that I love mm. compared to things that I don't feel here, is that smiling at people, mm. knowing that people see me as, as a neighbor, as opposed to just, you know, everyone here is kind of head down and move on. Mm. And I think those kind of also small things Small daily things, like we were kind of talking a bit before about small daily pleasures, but those things really set a tone for, I think, the way we breathe Mm. and how easy we can move through the day, which I think when it comes to anything creative is so important.
1: Yeah. And I think especially as a producer, working with intimacy is a big part of my work and being able to foster a sense of warmth, Mm and mm. comfort in the people that you work with is a massive part of what mm. i have to do on a daily basis so i think a lot of that context of uh, saying good morning um saying like hi just normal things when you're interacting with people in a way that isn't so like you said head down and mm. is just part of me and i think that has now just bled into how I like to create spaces, whether that be in the studio or in wherever I am, that can still foster that same sense of like, you know, um, community. I guess really mm. is is the only way to really put it.
0: I think that's what was really captured in the track for Selassie, and also in music that you made for Wata, the film mm. that J-, J Yamazangi and I made for, or in collaboration with Gucci and Garage, and there was that brown room scene. Yeah, that. Was one of my. Do you want to talk to us a little bit about <laughs> the music for Wata?
1: Mm. I mean, that was one of the best experiences I've ever had making music wow. for anything. I'll be honest with you, like it was. I would say in the, it was one of the earlier kind of um, forays into making music for visual, and I was kind of just getting the grips with doing it and how to do it, and and just you know the people on the project first of all, like. Biram,
2: Mm.
1: uh, Marcel, Roxanne, like it was such a beautiful like mix of people coming together to just make this music, and you know like a lot of that, like a lot of it for me was the friendships and relationships that were were, that I was able to um, cultivate Mm. in the process of making that, that actually made the music because. I mean, uh, me and Bram are like really close now. Like, he's like a yeah. good, good friend of mine. Uh, you know, um, I know his kids, like we've just become really good friends from that project. Mm-hmm. And that's all been birthed from, you know, just the kind of willingness to try and serve the music and serve the energy that we're trying to create. And with that Brown scene, you know, me and Bram were just kind of playing around on guitar I was playing some things I had an idea he said yeah that sounds good and he'd always give me affirmations of just like quiet affirmations of Mm. you know what yeah like I like that and then that would be enough to kind of push me into any direction and I started playing some more I got some things down got some chimes you know and just started to just kind of grow it and he was just sat there sat there and then like a week or so goes by and then he comes back to it and he just starts singing this thing and I'm just like Bro, like, it's crazy. Like, yeah. honestly, and because obviously I don't speak Wolof and he sings in Wolof. So I didn't understand the words, but it didn't matter really because the feeling mm-hmm. translates really strongly in that piece. Um, I think they all do, but that one in particular, it, it really translates. And I think even after he explained to me what the words meant i can't remember all of them now but it still made even more sense yeah. you know and it was just like yeah that's that's cool
0: that's so powerful i remember think, thinking the same hearing it I, do, I don't know i'm sure that you sent me what it meant at one point but mm. it was it didn't even stick because the it didn't really matter yeah. because the the depth of his voice and what you had created was on its own momentous and then with the visual Mm. and with abdu and the dancers moving in this room and creating this really dreamlike feeling it was so so expansive with the music that you you had all made um and i think so such a soundscape i Mm. think like soundscape's really the only word that starts to get to the appropriate level of the scale and the depth and the size. And like I'm like moving my hands around like mm. I've got a ball because it's like there's different angles and different entry points. And I don't know anything technical about music other mm. than I played bassoon in year 10 oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, and just appreciate it as an outsider. Mm. But I can feel in the music that you create, um, there's a track of yours that um, my partner sent to me when we first started seeing each other and we sent each other music. Um, wow. And we still send each other music and have playlists. That was a store. part of your love story. That's yeah, <laughs> absolutely. He sent me Sweeter. Yeah. And um, from when's that, from 2019?
1: Yeah, that's, yeah, that's a long time ago. From Zachary, right? Yeah, is That yeah, one's called yeah. Zachary.
0: And that, tell, us, tell, tell people about that track who don't know it.
1: Yeah, so I mean, what's funny is that like, a lot of that music was made in like 2017, 2018. Mm but came out in 2019. Um, But yeah, like a lot of it was just me working through some feelings, you know, just trying to show little insights into, you know, different things. Um, And that track I did with um, Jerome Thomas, who's a really amazing artist from London. And um, yeah, it was just about just the feeling of being in love and that kind of like sweetness and the warmth of that and how, just how sweet like. Because even it now I'm thinking be.
0: about it, and I feel like I can, I don't know if this is even part of the music or just how it makes me feel, but I mm. feel like I can hear that twinkling of sunshine and like mm. those, that air going and like mm. that sunny, warm feeling. Yeah. Maybe some of the things you mentioned about being in Karakou of like that early feeling, yeah. but it feels so layered to create an atmosphere. Yeah. Like th- it's more than vocal and instruments.
1: Yeah, I think for me, Atmosphere is definitely a big part in my practice. I think early on, um, I think the first person who I kind of got inspired to start making atmospheres like that was Flylo. When I first listened to his first Mm. um, EPs, and I was like, how has he done this? And then over time, I kind of um, tried to learn how to build a world without much musical information yet but I would start music with just building an atmosphere or a or a or like a landscape that then music would then sit on. Mm. So it can be really small things. Like, I mean, when I was like 18, it'd be like birds chirping. I'd always use that as just a bed for everything. Or, you know, I'd go and record like just industrial sounds in like a warehouse or something. And then that would be just the bed for everything mm. because the tune had that kind of energy. And so I'd be really accustomed to just creating these um, general undertones that are almost subconscious, mm-hmm. but translate like a bit of the feeling or yeah. push this, the actual song into a, a um, direction that you want it to, that's not necessarily by playing instruments. Mm. It's more the sound design, I guess you could say.
0: Where do you find yeah. these sounds? Like, what what do you use?
1: Um, I mean, I used to record on my dictaphone. I used to have a dictaphone. I used to Ab. walk around everywhere, with that. <laughs> like just walking around, just pressing the red button, just wow. every chance I could. Um, and then as I kind of got older, and I needed stuff of a higher sound quality, <laughs> um, I would just record, um, on microphones. I used to record a lot of conversations. Mm. I don't know if that's, you know, if I'm, if that's all the way legal.
0: If it's the truth, it's the truth. <laughs> but but
1: I think because I liked the rawness of yeah some of the conversations I'd have, but without them knowing
0: because it's different. You know, it's Once different. they know, it's yeah, different.
1: It's different, and in a lot of my early projects, I did use a lot of um, voice notes because I'd have so many that were so potent with mm. like information, whether that's joy or like sadness or laughter. And these moments are like so authentic. And that's why I think like even in your work, I'm really inspired because it's like a snapshot into certain moments. And I've always been inspired by different art forms because I guess ultimately, even though I make music, I'm trying to create snapshots of something that is authentic. And I got that authenticity from just almost being a journalist in a sense, or just Mm. like trying to, talk to people, understand things, like record things, capture things, and then that would feed itself into into music. You know? And
0: when you start that layering process, is it just instinctive when the way you build, or is there a method to it, or does that depend on the project?
1: Honestly, it's, I try and stay instinctive. I think, because mm. I've never studied music really, Um, I studied classical guitar a little bit when I was younger and then just kind of went on my own journey. So I've never really been institutionalized in a sense of
0: this is how you do it, this is how
1: you should do it. Yeah, it's just been like okay, this feels right, and then just learning to zoom into that feeling aspect rather than um technical,
2: yeah,
1: you know. So a lot of things sometimes people ask me, I feel like (laughs) I ain't got the answers, bro. Like, (laughs) where it's like someone's like, Yeah, I hear that. what technical thing have you done here? And it's like, you probably know better than I do. <laughs> because, yeah, like a lot of it is just um, trial and error or, you know, just really wanting to to achieve an outcome and then finding a way to do it. Yeah, you know?
0: but that space and freedom, uh, I think is so important. I mean, I completely relate mm. in in everything that I've done in my career Mm. no I don't know don't know how to do it still trying to figure out how to do it um and actually sometimes when I've I guess the skill that I've got to understand the best Mm. which is the oldest one is photography Mm. anytime I have tried to kind of plan to do a big lighting setup that's kind of a sort of more educated version of what I'd normally do if it was just me at home taking pictures then there's something of there's some honesty or some freedom that is often lost, mm. and so now I find the most low key setup for me is the best. Like low key, whether that's jumping in my car and taking, you know, going with friends who are stylists or going somewhere, or having as minimal lighting as possible. And if that means that I've got to shoot at a shooter, super low shutter speed and have a just really steady hand, I'd rather do that than have a have it overdone. Um, when I when I have control of the situation, because I think sometimes when when we're supposed to do things a certain way, we def- there's a capacity, I guess, or a gap to lose some of the play. Yeah. And I think the play is really important.
1: Yeah. I think... 100%.
0: Coming onto the play, um, can you tell us hey, about your second impression? That
1: is a segue and <laughs> a half, <Roman. laughs> Shout out to you, you're <laughs> <own> <laughs> professional. <laughs> um, okay, cool. So the next one is... That's, that's good. That's good. <laughs> um, Adidas Predators. So... <laughs> This is a football boot. Um <laughs> so originally actually I looked into the um design history of this boot and it was this guy from Australia and he was playing around with football boots and he was realizing that he couldn't get enough spin on the ball. Okay. And so he took the rubber off a table tennis bat and like okay. put it onto some football boots, some old school like um leather boots. And then he basically found that that like Friction or whatever you want to call it, okay. kind of um created more of a spin on the ball, mm-hmm. and then over time he made more prototypes and da da da, and then he came to make the boot and he got it um sold to Adidas and whatever, okay. and it, and the rest is history. Now it's like the most I think it's the best selling boot of all time or something. Oh wow! But my connection to it <laughs> <laughs> is the fact that I guess so. I played a lot of football growing up. Like I, I was pretty much playing football like three times a week as a kid Um, and they were my first boots. Mm. And I think for me in terms of, I think weirdly that the boot is a means of me expressing I think probably the proximity to football that me and my dad shared Mm. in terms of like, he'd take me to the games, um and it was very much a like i don't know like i've still got the pair of boots that i used to wear when i was like a kid and in those boots is like a lot of different memories Mm. that you know it's like um driving in the car we had this like old volkswagen with like a soft top it was such a cool car and he'd drive to all these places in kent and whatever and we play music in the car like he's very much a, a music head, you know? He's into like Rare Groove, Neo Soul, all these kind of things, and a lot of that he kind of just, just put into me. So when we drive to these games, he'd just be like tapping on the steering wheel to like, I don't know, whatever album. And I was looking at him like, what are you doing? But then it's so funny because now it's like, I understand all that. Mm-hmm. I get all that music, and I, all of the stuff that he was putting in, subconsciously probably.
0: Did you talk about it on those journeys, or it was just
1: about the music? Yeah. No, it was just it was just it was there. there. Like it was just like he'd just be playing music all the time, and I guess, you know, in a wider sense, football is a really interesting vehicle for communication for a lot of men. Mm-hmm. Um, whether it's just something to talk about, or you know, like a sort of shared joy, mm-hmm. uh, pride, all these kind of things. So yeah, for me, like the Predators were like a really significant boot in terms of just like you know, I don't know whether it's a memory or it's impression. I don't know if it's, if it's yeah, even, no,
0: that's yeah, you know? it's 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 the space that you shared too, mm. and the space that those boots and that game facilitated mm. and the closeness that was created in those moments. That's why I loved driving yeah, yeah. and cars and it's, they encompass so much similarly to how you're talking about the, sh- the boot mm. and the, the games that you played and I'm sure the times that you fell and the times that your dad might've been there cheering you on or, yeah. you know, the games that maybe were, there wasn't anyone cheering you on and the boots had your back. Yeah, All yeah. of those things, <laughs> what color were they?
1: They were black. Um, white and red with like little details of,
0: yeah. Uh, are they mash up or did you keep them no, in good condition? Great condition, like.
1: Oh. I could. I mean, these boots are worth a lot now. To be fair, like, a fair bit because of the whole nostalgia. Like. Yeah, yeah. Are
0: they what? kiddies, Are they in kitty sizes? Yeah, they're. So like, cute.
1: Yeah,
0: they're like, I don't
1: know, size four. Or something. <laughs> so yeah, cute. Size, four, size five, but yeah, like the boots are just yeah just a lot of I don't know when you grow past being able to wear them mm. you sort of look at them as um, you can just see the memories in them it's weird it's like yeah I think shoes have have that element of like travel and movement in them that you know I can I almost can relive certain moments and certain absolutely things through those pair of boots and I saw it like um, I have them in my wardrobe and I looked at them and I was like you know what this is gonna go on the list of impressions because it has like I think football um, and like I said those and what it opened up in terms of proximity uh, to other men in my life I think it definitely was a very formative yeah. thing for me, you know.
0: Were they CDs you were playing? CDs, yeah. You still have those CDs?
1: I have some of them, but we burnt. Oh. He 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 literally burnt through three um, Voodoo uh,
0: <laughs> CDs
1: from D'Angelo. Like, and
0: that com- that's your we'll skip one because that's yeah, your fourth impression, we'll just, isn't it? Yeah,
1: yeah. We'll just uh, segue it up. Um, yeah, and that's another one. Like that album, uh, Voodoo.
0: One of the best albums of all time. One of the
1: best of all time. And it's funny because it's changed in my imagination so much. Like as a kid, hated it. Really? Hated it. Like
0: why? What didn't you like about it's it?
1: It was just annoying to see my dad like it so much and just to play it like he'd just constantly have it on, constantly be like drumming, like mm. singing it and I was just like, Oh, just shut up. Like, <laughs> but then as my own musical taste started to develop you know, around like fifteen. Yeah, or I was something. wondering when did that switch happen. Yeah, I think as I started to get into music and be more like, actually, hmm, there's something in this. Dad
0: had something here. There's
1: something. Yeah, he's got something.
0: Because when mm. when would you say your dad was like? How old you and your dad was playing it in the car and you were going to football?
1: I was young. I was like, I was like, I don't know. Definitely under ten. Like primary like, school. Yeah, like primary school kind of ages, you know.
0: So like. Maybe five, six, seven years later. Yeah. You're now hunting down all of those voodoo. Yeah.
1: yeah. And now I'm like the super fan, you know? Like, but I think what it was was maybe all the subconscious downloading mm. just coming to fruition. Like, I think it's very difficult to escape your context. So if yeah, if you if you put yeah. all this stuff into yeah. someone. Not to say they put it into me, but as in it's just like... Yeah, it's there. It's just there, it's all yeah. around. Uh, I think it's somewhat inevitable that you do have certain just understandings innately. You know? And it's,
0: I think it will touch a certain place in you and in us, especially because music has that power of trans- transportation. Mm. And also memories, both great and not great ones, can get tied up in a track or tied mm. up in a lyric. Like for me it's my mum cleaning Mary J Blige, Angie Stone, all of that. Yeah, so yeah. I can't not like Mary J Blige. Like yeah. like you said, there's no way to not, I mean not yeah. that I would try cuz obviously she's amazing. Um but it's it's part of I didn't have to I didn't try and learn any of those lyrics. I didn't try and enjoy mm. it or not enjoy it. It's just it's there and it's part of me now and it's always going to be part of her.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: And part of that relationship.
1: 100%. 100% and and I think tracks music has a has a very unique ability to do that you know it's like immediately you can just be transported to a different place or do you
0: but particularly D'Angelo I think D'Angelo is so interesting because I obviously was not alive at the time when he really or well you know was really young when he was really popping off and everything but have such a huge appreciation for his catalogue mm. tracks music without even I remember being young and seeing the untitled video and like my sister's getting all like about it um and I think he's one of those artists that we see a cycle of that representation of what he looks like Mm. now so much Mm. and also I think what he represents and that's the sound the softness and the gentleness I think I mean I don't know but I feel that I would say it allowed for a lot of gentle, a lot of gentle to come through in the specific way that he translates it.
1: Hmm. No, I definitely agree with that. I think his music leans a lot into feeling, which Mm. I think um, at the time, like I wasn't I wasn't around either when the album came out, but having listened to it like infinitely, you do get the sense that the music he was making was very was a departure even from yeah. the stuff that was in his same kind of genre. It was exactly, like exactly, very free, very kind of loose. Yeah, and I don't know like um, Questlove speaks about it a lot on podcasts. Like, I literally won't shut up, but <laughs> he speaks about this whole like um, loose drum feel that they used mm. to play the drums kind of behind the beat, which people talk about the whole um, Jay Diller thing and whatnot. Mm. And they really zoomed into that like, uh, laziness when it comes to time signature and feel that I think, yeah, I just lapped it up, like, in terms of not feeling like things have to be too rigid and...
0: That's what I was gonna say, is it like a laziness or is it a shoulders kind of back, relaxed seating Mm. deep breath Mm. slow pace when you just feel like cruising
2: yeah
0: one of my favorite d'angelo songs like that whole feeling where it's just like everything's gonna be all right and i think a lot of his music has that vibe which can often be i guess could often be read as like apathy or like a uh, ugh. but actually i think it's so powerful to allow oneself to just relax and let things be. And I think he's an artist that symbolizes that for me.
1: 100%. I'm
0: checking what what all the songs that are on this album are.
1: Oh, what on um, Voodoo? On Voodoo.
0: It's the One More Gin album.
1: Yeah. Send it on (laughs) Africa, like.
0: Spanish joint. Spanish
1: joint. Yeah. Yeah, I was like, is
0: it the really love album? But that's the one after, isn't it?
1: Yeah, that's um, Black Messiah. Yeah. Which I think. I didn't
0: like that one when I first heard it.
1: same, same. Blasphemy, it's mad.
0: But now I love
1: it. Yeah, same. But but that's also an aspect of his music that I was like, I need to channel this because you can find new things all the time and I think mm. there's something to be said for timelessness and what that means. And I think in the same way that when I used to listen to like endless like um, Dilla Beats as a kid, mm. I'd find new little bits of like sonic information or overtones or like subtleties in the music that's just like raw like I've heard this a thousand times Mm. but then it's been three years now and I'm hearing something else like Mm -hmm. and that for me has always been a thing that's interested me in terms of and we go back to layering I guess but when you do that you create the possibility for people to actually hear layers not just in real time, but in, in like in the times, uh, years down the line or where it may be, where because you've put in those layers, I know that with um, D'Angelo, for example, he does like hundreds of um, stacks of vocals.
2: Wow. And so
1: that's what's wow creating that sense of, yeah, you might hear different things because there are literally loads of different things in that. And I think like, wow just to go back to the Larian point you made earlier, like that's probably where it comes from in addition to other things, but that interest in having something that might appear simple, but is actually complex. really complex mm. and that you can live with longer than just hearing it once and knowing exactly what that means, you know? Yeah, I think that's what I've... Yeah, I've always been attracted to that idea of uh, some kind of resounding aspect to to the music um,
0: and I guess you yeah. can only really go with kind of gut and intuition on that because you no one knows what in 10 years time is going to feel relevant, mm. but it's maybe a really raw feeling that everyone has the capacity to feel mm. or many people have the capacity to feel from who shared experiences or things like that. Mm. Also potentially using sounds that are kind of like you were saying, and I'm thinking now about Biram's voice. Mm. There's something really soothing and uh, energizing about parts of his voice and some sounds that he makes yeah. that I don't know if I've ever heard exactly in this context that we live in in London and growing up here. But yeah. that let me just say that feel particularly ancestral, yeah. perhaps. Um, kind of no other way to put it.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think you know, even on the album, there's a song, um, the root.
2: And he speaks Mm. about
1: that, like, getting down to the essence of something, like, the kind of, the, like, fundamental parts of what you're trying to do. And that can be, you know, I mean, it often comes at, um, not the expense, but maybe a lot of internalised thinking and um, introspection in order to be able to express that... uh, depth or, or that yearning yeah. to try and get to something that's cool and maybe that is universal in some way do you know what i mean like i think um, i think
0: that's so interesting about yeah. kind of uh, altering voices that you do in some of your music mm. and altering sounds um and then the kind of the rhythms at which you loop like that those kind of pairings um taking what they my voice or someone's voice could be mm-hmm. and playing with it and warping it. So it still has this. It still has something of the, that person. <coughs> it still has something of that person, but it it pushes it and expands it out in something else. And that's how did, did you can't really Did you learn how? Did, I don't know. How did you learn that? Did you just was that just trial? Was that just
1: trial, trial and error?
0: How do you know where to put things is so, so interesting?
1: Yeah. Um. Again, I think, you know, I'll go back to it, but the intuition mm. and the feeling, innate feeling. And even when I think about it in terms of why I like make certain choices uh, musically or um, creatively, and sometimes I'll be honest with you, like I even feel like, I don't know, I'm in a kind of flow of just yeah. things are just going, or like the first thing I'll choose. And it's like the right thing to do or or, um, someone's like, yeah, that's perfect. Don't change it. And it's like, I think I can only go back to uh, context and like back home and all these different things. Do you
0: think it also has to do anything to do with the kind of scope of instruments that you know how to play and Mm. that you know the sounds of? Mm. Um, I wonder if if you discover a new instrument, if that kind of broadens the spectrum of kind of language, like musical language that you have to play with?
1: Yeah, I think so. Like, obviously, I started with guitar. um, But now I guess I'll try and play anything, you know, I'll try and play anything, because I think, you know, wherever there's a sound to be made, there's like something to be said, you know, so it's like I might not be the best player, but I'll give it a go and I'll try and get across Yeah. You know, um, something on the instrument. Um, I
0: think that's a really important point. Like, not necessarily having to be the best at the thing, but it's just if one's able to convey what they'd like to convey, Mm. that's, I feel like that's often all that matters.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um,
0: To an extent, obviously.
1: No, no. I think to a big extent. Like, I think it's, it's, it's overrated, perhaps, the the sort of technical wall that people sometimes put mm. up against uh, music, for example, where, oh, you have to have done these rigors or, you know, I think a lot of things can just be, you know, can just be like, there's a big thing to be said for just playing, like you said, yeah. I was saying earlier, like just play and see, you know, and seeing what kind of comes out. Obviously, you you can't really substitute time invested in something. Yeah. But play is just like Yeah, it's so it's so key.
0: Is there anything that you don't play that you'd like to play?
1: Yeah, definitely. Um trombone. I love <laughs> I love the trombone. Um well trombone drums, like actual live drums. Okay. Um but you know what like I've kind of moved into a space recently or of late where I work more like I work with a lot of live instrumentalists and I will convey yeah. my vision to them in a way that maybe like an old school producer would do like back in the day when yeah. um you know they would have people to help execute their visions and stuff and that's a really fun way to work for me where I can lean into my ideas and then totally they can lean into their like proficiency at an instrument or whatever
0: Yeah of course I think that's that's also the power though of being an artist is knowing when to bring in someone who knows how to do the thing like i wanted to do knitwear, i'm not a knitwear person so just get an amazing knitwear person to Mm. like you said collaborate convey the ideas and translate the concept and i think that's really powerful and i think that's also really important um knowing those boundaries when it's collaborative and also when it's kind of a technician almost and i think both things are super valuable
1: yeah absolutely
0: so kind of like Wheeling back a bit, but somewhere between football yeah. and D'Angelo. Yeah. Um coming to know D'Angelo mm. more later in life and enjoy him. Uh can you tell us a bit about your third impression?
1: Yes, indeed. Let me just have a look at that. Um Yeah, let's go yeah, so <laughs> two teachers. <laughs> two teachers. Um obviously I mentioned that I started on um guitar. Yeah um so these two teachers one of them is an english teacher from school um called mr herbert
0: primary or secondary
1: secondary Mm -hmm. um i mean he could be listening i hope he is i hope he is i don't know Should send it to him yeah i will so shout out to you mr herbert (laughs) um and then my um, guitar teacher called christine um both of these like amazing beautiful people who have really changed my life, you know? Like from, so Mr. Herbert, I, I guess, you know, he was like a, a university level lecturer in a secondary school, just <laughs> don't know why he was why? there. Yeah. I mean, he just, he just had so much to give. Like he was like this mm. kind of burly Welshman <laughs> with like gray hair and so many stories, like he was a sit-up champion of Wales.
0: Like, <laughs> what? Sit-up champion?
1: Sorry, um, press-up champion of okay, Wales. Okay, wow. So, and, and like, <laughs> one day we were like, nah, prove it. And he just was like, he just banged up like a hundred press-ups. What? And this guy's like 60-something, at wow. least back then anyway. So, he was just a very incredible person who, so I um, studied English at uni and literature, I've always had a passion. Um, literature Literature. And I also had a passion for writing and um, storytelling and the word just in general. And he he just really just fed that. Like He kind of saw that I was into it and I would try and engage with some of the concepts he was speaking about. He talked a lot about like the industrial bourgeoisie. Did you say that word okay. all the fucking time? <laughs> and like, um, like the hierarchical systems. And he used to use his hands a lot and he was passionate. Okay. And yeah, he just he helped nurture a sort of critical thinking aspect to me um, that I think I carry into what I do now a lot, where when I get involved in projects, I like to really get into some of the ideas that are behind it and some of the, you know, thinking behind it.
0: Um, It sounds like, was it his kind of energy, passion and want to share information Mm. and understand more information that Mm. was the inspiring thing, Yeah, even more so than what you were being taught perhaps.
1: Absolutely. It was just the, like, enthusiasm for information. Yeah. Like, uh, and sharing that being so open, you know, with this time as well. Um, and yeah, just the energy that he kind of carried for his work that he probably should have been at a way higher level, at. like in terms of like, he just had so much information.
0: But it sounds as though, I think if he was someone who loved the information and loved teaching, perhaps working with secondary students offers a different energy. Mm. And like, clearly you're bringing him up now, like years later down the line. Mm. Um, Potentially the power to change people's trajectory, change mm. young people's trajectory in a way that when they're ready at university level is kind of set in. Did he teach you from year seven or? No,
1: he taught me from like year nine. Yeah.
0: So we were like 13, 14 yeah. or 14 going on 15. Yeah. And it's at a time when I think we really start to think about who we're going to be mm. and who we want to be as, as young, young, young adults making, you know, deciding what subjects we want to do and deciding where we want to might might want to go in the future. It's a really particular time. Was that after you started learning guitar?
1: Yes, it was after. Where did
0: Christine? So
1: Christine was my first um, guitar teacher. When I started, I said I wanted to learn um, guitar when I was young. And uh, my parents were like, cool. Um, In my head, I pictured you know, like Led playing electric guitar. <laughs> and then they sat me in front of Christine, who was with a wooden guitar. <laughs> and she was like, you know, this older white lady. And I was like, this didn't really fit what well, I'm I trying to mind. do. I had in mind more like like radical type stuff. But yeah, I just started learning classical guitar. And then um, she was my teacher. And again, I mean, she... Uh, Musically, she's like, so gone, like incredible, incredible player. I think maybe um, she lives underneath her talent somewhat. Like she's very much uh, sort of to herself, but Mm -hmm. has a lot of love to give. Mm -hmm. So when I go there, she'd fill me with confidence about how I was playing, even though I was like terrible at the time, (laughs) she'd be like, you know, you're amazing, Zachary, like you've got so much talent. And she just always affirmed that Mm. and affirmed that I kind of, you know, like we'd, we'd um, jam after the lessons and she'd just play random tunes. And it got to the point where when I was like 13 and I started getting into like the jazz and these different things. And I guess her discipline was strictly classical. She said to me, as much as I'd like to keep teaching you, I would, I'm going to stop teaching you. And you need to kind of just go and find wow. your own way in terms of how you want to use your guitar yeah. and how you want to play guitar. Because as much as she was a great musician, she was very much, she could only read music. There wasn't much of, like, feel about how she played guitar. Okay. It was very, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. to the book. Yeah. So, as you could see that, maybe for me, I was more...
0: But something more creative in it. was
1: something a bit different that I wanted mm. to kind of explore. And I try and say that to her, but she wasn't able to to help me in that direction. So she said, you know what, just try and find your own way. And she's obviously still in my life. She's like my Polish mum. Like she's
0: actually,
1: <laughs> she's like a aunt of sorts. Has but she
0: played on any of the music that you produced? No,
1: but we have written loads of songs together. Okay, wow. Um like classical pieces and stuff. Like we've written some really nice pieces together. Uh But yeah, so when I kind of went on my own path, it was the beginning of me finding like my sound and all these things. And then like, you know, I go and visit her every now and again and show her what I've made and she's just always really proud.
0: Um, When do you think it was that you kind of understood your sound or is it an ever changing thing?
1: Um, It's ever changing. I think people sometimes say like, oh, like I can hear when it's you and I like that, but, honestly i can't i can i can obviously i know i've done stuff but um for me my interest and my perspective is constantly changing in my head i guess i'm i'm always like where i'm at versus maybe where i've been or things i might yeah. have done you know so I, yeah
0: i would say as a listener of your work in the different contexts, different artists that you work with, different pieces that you've worked on, mm. I would say it's more I can feel when it's you. Mm. Not, not that there's any necessarily distinction in terms of like, oh, that's a, a sound or that's a technique that Zach always uses. Mm. It's more like there's often a, uh, a conflict for me Mm. there's this bit that like gets me and I'm like okay yeah yeah I get this I'm like this feels really right it feels good and then there's something that's like tension mm. I think often for me your work has a particular tension point mm. that doesn't push me past what I want to listen to or what I'm comfortable with but it will push to the limit mm. um consistently and I think that's what's really interesting for me about your practice um I'm really exciting and also recognizable uh, even between some of the things we've worked on together there's a point where i'm like ah oh, i'm not sure if i'm ready to go there but you've taken me there so okay we're here mm. and even in yeah in projects with other artists it's that warmth that feeling that layering and then always always something that i'm not expecting there's always something that i'm not expecting and i think that's definitely very you i would thank say
1: you. thank you
0: um so <laughs> <'cause> again <laughs> What a segue into Unexpected. um, (laughs) Into Unexpected. Tell us about your last impression.
1: All right. So the last one is The Office. But (laughs) it's like, it's actually just David Brent, really, as a character. As a character study, I feel like, I don't know, most people don't particularly like The UK Office, or some Mm -hmm. people really love it, but I love it, like... I love the sort of awkward humour, the the kind of, you know, mundaneness of it as well. I think that for me is what I love about The Office. It's just that thing of, you know, <laughs> zooming in on very normal moments, but how funny they can be, yeah. you know, like when you're just observing it and the whole looking at the camera thing, like it's something we see a lot now in mockumentaries, but that was kind of new, I might think, mm. at the time when they were making The Office or the pilot episodes, I'm like, I'm just like, this is genius. You know, I think David Brent for me is like, <laughs> <laughs> he's just, he's, he's, a, he's a character study of someone who just wants connection, like true connection. Mm. But he finds, because he's so awkward and so like, like stiff in himself, he just doesn't know how to just relax enough to just, connect yeah and do that in a way that's authentic and i think like i just find it hilarious to watch someone (laughs) (laughs) and is
0: it does it is it something you've you've enjoyed and the kind of humor of it Mm. like does it come does it inform your approach at all in life or is it just jokes
1: no i think i i think it's it's informed me in the sense that you can find a story Mm. in the mundane because it's an office. It's just a normal office with, like, a water cooler, like, a secretary. Yeah. You know, some staplers. It's just very, like, ordinary. But then there's these really poignant stories about, like, love and...
0: Connection. And connection
1: and... And And conflict too. And and conflict. And but also all of that, like put through the lens of just comedy. And yeah. I think for me, when I observe things, and like I said earlier about journalism and recording, I think there's, there's an element of wanting to maybe expose some of those just normal stories mm. that I find more interesting than maybe the fantasies or the more like bigger um, type narratives you know where it's like dragons and all these things like yeah i think there's something quite endearing to me about yeah just a guy who is trying to connect with people but doesn't know how to (laughs) i think it's
0: very personal like you said like the mundane and finding things in our everyday or just observing things in our everyday that are so much more than it might look at it Mm. might seem just at a glimpse Mm. and i think that's perhaps how you begin to start that sphere kind of 360 context or layering to a piece, like building that atmosphere. It's like the details, mm. I guess, like we could kind of use the word details as opposed to the mundane when we talk about the water cooler or the staplers or what look someone's given at, you know, a different part of the office or whatever. It's like these little details that all make up a really complex, big picture. Yeah. Um. And I definitely, get that and can relate to that and can also see that in your work for sure Mm. also the play of it and the appreciation of subtleties small things kind of like what we were saying just before we started this podcast about you know potentially like relocating or spending more time in in other places and the islands and things like that it's like those small pleasures and small joys that like Enough of those small joys tied together tied make a really big joy yeah um and it's not necessarily always about like the grand
1: yeah no absolutely you've kind of perfectly um captured that you mm. know I think it is that it's just uh it's the small things it's it's the simple things and there are grand stories to be told in those.
0: Absolutely, and the last kind of thing was when you mentioned like character study. I thought that phrasing was interesting in terms of your practice and which characters being studied in any piece of music. It sometimes must must be you. It sometimes mm-hmm. must be the collaborator, the music, the artist. It must be the instrument, um, the feeling. Like really picking apart and studying that. And that includes playing with it, taking it apart, putting it back together, trying all these things. Mm. It's really a, music can be quite a complex study of so many different things.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, And obviously we're all, I guess, traveling around where we're at. And as a musician, as a producer, I meet people at, different places in their life and in their journeys but ultimately ultimately it it kind of um, you end up almost just holding a mirror to one another
2: Mm.
1: or to have like whoever you take into the space into the room um, because you know I think that's that for me is how, you know, how we are able to connect to create something is by sharing a bit of ourselves, seeing a bit of someone else, and then kind of just finding a a place in between. And that's kind of where I'd like to be.
0: Oh, that's beautiful, Zach. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you so much for talking to me and coming on our podcast and, being a collaborator and a friend and someone that brings me constant inspiration um, and consistency, even through all the different projects. And I'm so excited to see what comes next. Is there anything that you want to plug?
1: Um, Actually, I'm plugless right now. (laughs) I just want to wish everyone a good day.
0: Gorgeous. Well, thank you so much for coming on Home Impressions. Uh, This is the fifth episode in the podcast, which has kindly been supported by Gucci. The last episode will be Hadja with another gorgeous, glorious guest, um, which will come out next month and before i finish we also have our fortnightly newsletter writing home which is brought to you by myself haja Shade, and courtney um which you can sign up for on our website or on substack um thank you for listening and joining zach on wishing you a great day thank you all right thank you